Welcome to Tell Me More, Tell Me More, the podcast. I'm your host, Leah. And I'm your host, Adicia. And this is a movie musical podcast where we watch a movie musical and then we talk about it. This episode is in collaboration with my friend Maya over at By All Means Necessary Podcast, which is a true crime podcast. Since this musical is based on true events, she will be covering the true crimes that inspired all of this. Stick around until the end for more information. It is fussy February, everybody. Um, this is the <laughs> last what we'll do of Fosse this month because, you know, two episodes a month. You get it. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> we've chosen to do, and I'm pretty sure I justified myself on the previous um, episode, but... We've chosen to do Chicago, which technically I know was released in 2002, and Bob Fosse was not there to direct it. However, it is his show, <laughs> and so <laughs> it is it his is. show, is. and so like a lot of the choreography is Fosse-esque, like you know, um, it's a Fosse show. So that's all I got to <laughs> say about that. <laughs> um, we, could, we could justify it it's fine I don't know I don't know why I have like a chip on my shoulder about this I'm like <laughs> hey don't judge me for not being purely bossy I'm sorry you guys I don't know where I'm coming from today anyways <laughs> do you have any history with this uh, history with it I've seen it before I'm pretty sure I, I saw it when it came to television like I see all things but yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it because it, it was it came out in that period where a lot of new movie musicals were coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just pretty much ripe and opportune to witness. Plus, I think it did really, really well. So, yeah. But uh, yes, no childhood, per perhaps around age 13. <laughs> I saw this movie for the first time and then have seen it multiple times since because it's good <laughs> absolutely absolutely sorry i was just like pack it up gia gun me <laughs> i my history with it is that i heard about it okay <laughs> so stupid and long-winded but in like grade six uh someone was like two of my friends were talking about Chicago and like I was just like sitting there pretending I knew what I, what they were talking about uh, and specifically they were talking about the they both reached for the gun and the da -da 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 that mm -hmm. and I was like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and then like it took me like another six months before I got to before I saw it for the first time <laughs> so, yeah. we waiting for it to happen on TV um, for us for us to catch it and I did catch it. I've seen it a bunch of times. Like any theater nerd, I've learned the monologues to Selbach Tango. I've learned the choreography <laughs> to Hot Honey Rag. And um, yeah, I learned all the songs. <laughs> and I like this movie like a lot. It is one of my favorites. Um, it's so much fun. And yeah, it did do really well. Um, it got like six Academy Awards, I want to say. Yes. They including Richard best picture. <laughs> <laughs> he's upset about that. Um, I don't know if in the current year, 2021, he's upset about that. But like 
he was upset about that <laughs> at one point in time. Because, like, everybody else got a nomination, kind of. So It was the first musical um, since 1968 to win Best Picture. Wow. Yeah. I guess we can get into it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So this film came out in 2002. It's based on... Um, 1975 musical sorry. by Fosse. I just saw, <laughs> sorry, I just saw that it won a BET award. Well, like Queen Latifah won a BET award for this. Um, as well as Bringing the House Down and Brown Sugar that same year. Wow, okay. She was busy. She truly was. I remember seeing her a lot, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We open on uh, what looks to be uh, some type of Chicago jazz house theater-esque where in the backstage um, area, but also in the front as all of these musicians have struck, struck, stricken? The musicians have struck up a a rousing tune, Diddy, that they're playing to entertain the guests as they're waiting. Um, The director is trying to find the Kelly sisters who have not arrived yet for their part in the show Uh, we get the entrance (laughs) that's the music (laughs) in the back um, it's pretty much chaos until Velma Kelly arrives on her own sans her sister uh, the director is asking her about it and she just says that she can go on her own. And she does so in the song uh, All That Jazz. Come on, boys, why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz. Etc. Um, I <laughs> like that there is... The, I like that the lighting guy is absolutely like, I don't know what to be doing right now. Like I, and she's like, no, just on me. Veronica's not going to be here. Just like on me. <laughs> and just before she had gotten onto the stage, we had seen that she had lifted from her purse uh, a small pistol and then hidden it in her bureau and then wa- rinsed blood from her hands giving us a kind of implication of what might have happened to Veronica. Also, before she entered, she had torn uh, the poster that had their shared names on it. So, potential. Meanwhile, while she's on stage doing the All That Jazz performance, we get a glimpse of Roxy Hart, who is the uh, protagonist, I guess, of this uh, movie. She's watching Velma Kelly with a bit of awe and envy because she visualizes herself being on that stage. She There's wants a, to become a star. There is a really good like transition that they do there mm-hmm. with the all like flash sort of and still Valma Kelly. Mm-hmm. That dish still Valma Kelly. Jazz is like um Yeah. It's like they Hart. transpose they transpose up as well to like further uh, emphasize that change as yeah. well. Yeah, so like, good. Modulating. <laughs> like the art direction in this, like we barely started, but the art direction in this movie, like Ugh. I I don't, like I did not appreciate this as a child. <laughs> I really did not. And how could I'm you truly, looking. like 
the awareness that we have now of what musicals can be like is like mm-hmm. to a level where like when things are good, they're so good. They're so like good. they had such a strong sense and maintained it throughout the mm-hmm. movie, like just in terms of the coloring and, and the lighting and the the way that they juxtapose what was reality with the kind of more flamboyant theatrical scenes. And this works so well in terms of it being a musical about a crime because the theater of crime, like we still watch crime dramas because crime is still entertainment. Yeah. They're they're like high stakes, like scenarios. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's really, those are really interesting. True crime podcasts exist. Um, But like, you know, so like, you're right. Like the theater of it all, adding to it the musical is just, <laughs> ooh, so juicy, juicy. <laughs> but getting back to the plot of this, yes, uh, Roxy is in a relationship with a man, Fred Casely, who apparently has promised her, uh, has promised to speak to someone important in that club that they're watching Velma Kelly and before she's pulled away. Fred, of course, has lied, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, just before Velma Kelly's act finishes, we see that there are some police that apparently arrive to take her because they're aware of the fact that she has committed murder. Um, <laughs> on Roxy's side, there's a bunch of excitement happening as she and Fred race back to her apartment that she shares with her husband Amos who is not there at the time I think he's at work and they they bump into one of the residents after they bump they bang on her door almost <laughs> but <laughs> they make it into the apartment they have sex and then afterwards we see that there's a bit of a time jump that happens so they're still in bed but we see that a month has passed uh in between when uh their that whole thing is happening and when we next cut to them yeah because it's mentioned because they establish time passage they do <laughs> she says in dialogue it's been a month since we've spoken about the da, 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 at the velma when velma kelly got arrested yeah And you're like, oh, it's been a month. Good to know. But we see now that Fred is a bit more standoffish with Roxy as opposed to when they were uh, fantastically um, falling over each other drunkenly, happily. Roxy still has this kind of stardom dream very present in her eyes. But Fred is... I guess tired of hearing about it by now because he stomps on it very quickly and t- confesses yep. to her that this is not true what's happening he never had anyone at the club he just said that to get her to go to bed to- with him because she oh was cute the thing he says to her like you're just a girl with some skinny legs I was like babe you did not need to go that hard at her you truly could have just said <laughs> I don't have the resources. I've been lying. But he's like, no, also you're untalented. 
Like, sir, that was unnecessary. Like, leave that out of it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and it's like, because she's like very like, I've been thinking about my act and, you know, like everybody has to have like something special. And I was thinking that my thing would be blah, 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 blah. And he's just like, oh my God, girl, when are you going to get it? I've not introduced you to one one person who has any influence in any bar. What do you think <laughs> I'm going to do? I'm a furniture salesman. This is true. He did sell her her furniture. But 10% off. <laughs> Roxy, after he pushes her against the wall, when she's still trying to, she doesn't believe him initially. And he pushes her into the wall. And she, it starts to dawn on her that she's been lied to for over a month. He's just been telling her all of these things and like fueling her fantasies just so that he could continue to sleep with her and now I guess he's had his fill of her um so he's just gonna leave and she enraged just grabs the um the gun from within uh, the set of drawers and shoots him three times in the doorway afterwards uh, the police come they are uh doing the investigation we hear them say uh to each other that it's an open and shut case because apparently roxy has concocted the story that he was a man who had tried to burgle her and has convinced amos to participate in the story by saying that he was the one that shot uh fred because when amos came home fred was covered up by a sheet and Roxy had told him that he would be more likely Help to get me. off of it the crime. It is my goddamn need of, need of hour. <laughs> <They'll>, <laughs> you'll likely get off of the crime because da, 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 da. yeah, because it was in self defense. And I was like, no, <laughs> okay. Well, but what I like here is that they there's like a bit. He's like in the middle of like explaining just right at the beginning, and they're flashing mm-hmm. a light into Roxy's eyes. And that turns into the spotlight of her show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just yes. In Our which direction. she's singing, um, He loves me so, that funny honey of mine. And then they're like, <laughs> deceased, Fred Casely. He's like, mm, incorrect. That man sold us our furniture <laughs> for 10 off. Roxy knows who he is. And then he's starting to realize that after having thought, oh my gosh, my wife was in danger. She could have been assaulted, yada, yada. To like, oh, this bitch (laughs) wants me to go to jail for her. After she shot her lover, I cannot. (laughs) And um, Roxy's like, fuck. As she stamps (laughs) on the piano and stamps on the pianist um, in mid-song. Isn't the pianist Tyrese or something? Hold on. It is. It's Tay Diggs. It's Tay Diggs. Oh, okay. Not Tyrese. Why did I say Tyrese? Tay Diggs. Master of ceremonies. Anyway, after that song completes, uh, you know what I just realized? (laughs) Yes. Kander and Ebb really do be loving a master of ceremonies. Because (laughs) they wrote um, Cabaret as well. With, and he, mm-hmm. the MC is also like a character. Anyway, it just dawned upon me. <laughs> and it's like a very similar style of show in that it's like there's 
very theatrical performative performances of the songs that do mm-hmm. like link back to and are related to the narrative but they're kind of separated with this like very thin film of like this is a performance for people and this is the story that's happening so uh i hadn't really thought about that until this very moment uh so <laughs> there you go <laughs> stream of consciousness but the detective uh now that the story begins to fall apart questions roxy a bit more and she's like yes i shot it but he was trying to burgle me and then brings up the fact that uh he's heard from the neighbor that he uh fred has apparently been trying to burgle her twice a week or something like that yep. it's it's a lot and so he also Amos reveals is no longer that he also reveals that um, Fred is married with kids. Yes. And that kind of breaks Roxy completely. Yeah. So she gets arrested. And I and... shot him and I would have done it again. <laughs> <laughs> She's now arrested and put in the back of the cab as the detective is saying that this is likely going to be a hanging case. Hmm. And Roxy just her her entire world starts to come crashing down at the mention of that she she can't even fully believe it she's taken to cook county jail she goes to the processing in the process of being taken to what is known as murder's row when just before we meet matron mama thornton yes we got cheetah rivera <laughs> yes <laughs> i was waiting for you i was like did <laughs> They notice it. <laughs> and you yeah, did. I saw her. I saw her. I saw her. I was looking. I was like, oh, where is she? Where is she they at? had to give her lines. They wouldn't have just put her in the background. Yep. Love it. And she's like, meet your mama. She's great. So long as you've got money. And then... <laughs> Man, I love this musical so much. Um, but yes, the song itself is uh, when you're good to mama, mama's good to you. It's like a very like vaudeville, like burlesque with feathers and sequins kind of stage performance. We love. Mm-hmm. Mama, throughout this song, interposed, is introducing Roxy to the way that it kind of works around here, both uh, in full view and subtly with the exchange of money for goods uh, underhand through Mama. And she comes across Velma Kelly as well. She's very excited to, to see and meet her, but Velma snubs her because it's she's not important. She's just one of many people that know who she is mm-hmm. roxy is put into a cell she starts to complain that it's cold but we see that mama just is not interested in hearing anything that she has to say Fully. she's like and do it- you have extra blankets i mean throughout this whole thing when she's being led to the, to like her cell even where they're like you're going to block e or whatever the murderous row and she's like oh is that nicer i'm like girl 
I want you to first listen to what the name was just called. <laughs> Secondly, I don't know where there is a nicer in a deal like this. <laughs> in so and, uh, the it's she's like not playing with a full deck of cards, I feel. <laughs> like she might still be in shock. Like that too, I guess. But also I don't I think she's like missing like at least two cards. She's playing with a solid fifty. <laughs> oh god um but yes it's while she goes down to rest uh potentially for the first of many nights in prison that we get the tapping of a drip followed by the sound of the prison guards footfalls the tapping of fingers on the jail cell yeah that introduces us to potentially the best known song of this entire musical the subblock tango Woo! yes let's get into it <laughs> pop six squish uh-uh cicero <laughs> lip shits get into it um it's so good it's so fun it's just women talking about why it is that they murdered the respective lovers or except for the I don't know is she Hungarian is she yeah the Hungarian yeah. except for her I don't I'm not entirely sure that that's like a lover that she killed or a husband that she killed I think it says I think she says something about an uncle I remember like Google translating this when I was like 15 so I don't really remember what it's about um, but I know that an uncle is involved anyway so it's these women just sort of explaining. Why does it they killed the people that they killed? For instance, he was chewing gum, and, and I was really irritated, and I told him to stop chewing gum, but he didn't, and I shot him. Um, he said he was single. Turns out he wasn't. He had six wives, one of those Mormons, you know? Um, and then... And then... <laughs> uh, my dance teacher appears, and she's like, hey, I stabbed a man ten times. I love it for her. Wait, that's your dance teacher? Yes, Deidre. Deidre Wait, Goodwin. what? Yeah. Your dance teacher Yes. is, I stabbed a man ten times. Yes. He, he, he ran, ran into, into my, my knife, knife ten, ten times. He yes. ran into my knife ten times as your dance teacher. Yes, Girl, that eyebrow, please. that eyebrow, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Get into it. Like, and I was just like, what? Because like, obviously I'm watching this for the first time post knowing her and just seeing mm-hmm. her dance in that mm-hmm. number, I was just like, oh my God, like what? She's teaching me wild concepts. The rest of the people. Um, so I've gone through pop, six, squish. So um, the this isn't like an official thing. This is something that someone translated for us, but sure. it says akin to what do I seek here? It is said that the news... Um, so the news where I live says that I grabbed my hundred, husband and smashed his head, but it's not true. I am innocent. I don't know why Uncle Sam says I did it. I tried to explain to the police, but they did not understand. And then Roxy asks, yeah, but are you guilty? And she says, uh-uh, not guilty. And then we go into Valma's story in that it was her, her husband, and her sister 
who travel around doing their act. One night, they run out of ice. Homegirl goes out to get some. She comes back. Her husband and her sister are doing number 17, the spread eagle, which is a position in which the woman is upside down with her legs spread wide open and the man is just standing there, I guess. Um, and it's a sexual position, I suppose. And she's like, oh, oh my God. And she says she blacked out, but truly she shot the two or whatever and then went on with her life to go perform that same night. <laughs> and then we have Maya, the R&B pop star lady yes. woman. Um, Who was in Moulin Rouge, <laughs> so she was very busy in the early 2000s. Truly, truly. Um, so she was with a guy who kept trying to find himself. And on the way, he found some people. And they ha had artistic differences because he saw himself self as alive and she saw him dead. And she kills him. Um, and that's basically the cell block tango. It's a great number. If you've never seen it, I don't know how, but go and see it. The monologues are funny and great. Um, the dancing is great. The singing is great. Um, we love it here. Chaotic comment. He took a flower in its prime and then he used it and he abused it. It was a murder, but not a crime. But yes, so after Cell Block Tango, I think Roxy is doing the laundry. She's mm -hmm. in the in the laundry room and she sees that Velma's delegates are being taken care of separate to the general laundry. She goes to refresh the towels in one of the restrooms and she sees somehow through a cabinet mirror that leads into another room that Velma and Mama Morton are talking about Velma's case and her potential deal that they have going and things like that. Once their conversation is over, Roxy again tries to engage with Velma by handing her her delicates and saying that she was the one who cleaned them. But she's still coming off very much as a fan, even though she's asking for advice. And Velma is yeah. still 100% not interested in engaging with her at all and tells her to keep her hands off her underwear. Yep. I mean, like, perspective. You're a very famous person and you've killed somebody, as one does. And you are in jail and, you know, you've probably met over the course of this month or so so many people who've like seen you perform before and you're like kind of over it homegirl comes and she's like i was there the night that you got arrested and it's just like so is half of chicago what do you want i'd also <laughs> be like i don't know what you want from me i understand that like i ha i'm famous to whatever extent but i'm literally in jail i'm not here to make friends i'm so i'm not i'm here to try and get out really is my plan. But yeah, she didn't need to be that rude. <laughs> <laughs> Mama kind of takes pity on her and calls Roxy into her office where, where they discuss the fact that in order for Roxy to, even though in 50 years, um, or is it like 40, 48 years, uh, they haven't hung any women 
So it's more than likely that she's going to get off. But if she wants to increase her likelihood, then she needs to be in contact with Billy Flynn, who is a very well-known lawyer who wins pretty much all of his cases. And so she has to pay $100 to Mama for her to make a phone call to Billy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't pay for the lawyer. It gets her to call him to inform him about her. And then later on, when uh, Mr. Flynn is engaging with Velma, as Velma is having press follow her through the the prison, uh, Mr. uh, Roxy tries to get the attention of Mr. Flynn, who... Uh, she thinks is now uh, on her side but he asks if she has $5,000 to pay him because that is his fee and I'm thinking that $5,000 in in 1920 is, is, is a big ass it's a, it's a big a ass a lawyer so Amos Still on her side, I Ooh, guess. We skipped kind a of. song. We skipped a song. Oh. We oh. want oh. Billy. B- yes. I double L Y. Oh gosh, I love this song. This whole thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway. All I care about is. All he cares about is love. <laughs> Before we go on, I really need to interject here with some some info I find really just it really tickled me. Um, the role of Billy Flynn, absolutely nobody wanted it. Um, it was offered to Hugh Jackman, who was like, "No, I think I'm too young." Uh, to John Travolta, who was just like, "Nah, I don't feel like it." And then to Richard Gere, who was also like, "I don't, I don't really want to do it," but his agent was like girl you have to and he was like okay I, I guess I will and so he he reluctantly chose to, to, to do this which is funny to me um but also <laughs> on the roster of people who they thought could play this role is Michael Jackson I'm bad Michael Jackson uh, <laughs> man in the mirror Michael Jackson you know dirty <laughs> Diana Michael Jackson I need you to know <laughs> the I bat- just I I <laughs> Just, I still don't think we're talking about the same Michael Jackson. It can't be. I, and the only reason, because like, this is a, unfortunately, a Harvey Weinstein production. Um, But Mm -hmm. they, but Harvey said no, heavily objected to the idea of casting Michael Jackson as he felt more attention would be paid to him than the rest of the cast, which isn't wrong necessarily it's not wrong but also it wouldn't have been a good casting it really wouldn't i just i it just, really really wouldn't it would be so off it would be so off anyways i just need i really needed to interject with that information i'm just trying to visualize <laughs> michael In, in, razzle dazzle him. In, in, in razzle dazzle. I no, I'm I'm trying to visualize him in um, the tap dance because that happens. No, all I can, 
all I care about. In that's what I'm trying to visualize him in. Oh, I see. Like no. 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 It does, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Amos. That's where we were. So Amos comes to Billy Flynn to give him the money, but he does not have all of it. He only has two of the 5,000 that was required. But for some reason, Billy still takes it. Apparently, he thinks that uh, the case might be worthy or maybe he likes uh, Amos's devotion to Roxy. Whatever bullshit reason he says he still takes the money so yeah because he, he never remembers uh, amos's name properly so i don't trust the word that comes out of his mouth really um, i think he just finds amos to be boring which you know what it's fine no but he does he does that with anyone he does not find of consequence yeah. like as soon as someone else takes his attention he just forgets whoever's name is or he does it on purpose just to show that they're not of consequence to him right now mm. which is awful but still that's how he makes the big takes money. the money <laughs> he takes the money and agrees to work on roxy's case um interviewing roxy <laughs> he has to tell her that he didn't hear what she said when she said that she shot fred but mm-hmm. they concoct a story where she wanted to become a nun and she ran away from the convent with amos but it was uh, sort of loveless. And then she became entangled with Fred due to the combination of jazz and liquor because that is what the press will eat up. And he knows what sells in Chicago because the people have to care about the person. You have to give them a story for them to care about, for them to even pay attention to you. And to pay attention to you will give you a time for trial and might get you acquitted. But just before that, uh, Roxy goes through a bit of a transformation. She changes her hair up a little bit. I think she like bleaches it more as well, so it's like crystal blonde. And when she comes out, when Velma is trying to discuss with Billy about her future plans for her, uh, for her trial, what she's gonna do, uh, Billy's attention attention is completely taken off of her and towards Roxy. But it's, it's sort of the beginning of the end uh, in regards to Velma because she knows that, uh, and she tells Roxy about the same to not let Billy, I think it was I meant to sabotage her a little bit, but she tells her not to let Billy take all the spotlight because Billy's favorite client is Billy. Now we have, we both reach for the gun at the bum, press bum, conference for Roxy. Come from? <laughs> Mississippi. <laughs> um, anyways. Christine Baranski's in this. She is, you know, head reporter right up in there asking all the questions where we find out that she moved here for jazz and liquor and ruined everything. And Fred Casely was her ex-boyfriend and they both reached for the gun. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They both reached. <laughs> yes, they both. Oh, yes, they both <laughs> reached for the gun. The gun, the gun, the gun. Oh, yes, yeah, the gun, the gun. The gun. The guy for the guy. <laughs> um, but yes, so that's the story that they go with, and everyone's like, "Oh, poor Roxy, a runaway marriage, whatever, whatever." Um, and yeah, and then she becomes like this big 
thing. And everyone's like, oh, Roxy Hart. And like, you know, she really lucked out on that name, by the way. <laughs> it is like a stagey name and it is kind of like. It a, really is. A, like it's easy enough to remember and say and it is. it has like a little bit of like sizzle to it. That it makes it a little bit special than just being like Mary from Cambridge or something, you know? <laughs> Unless you're a Mary from Cambridge and you're listening to this and you're like, excuse? Um, everybody's name is special. Hello, Mary. <laughs> but immediately after the press conference, everyone is eating up this new story and they're, by, they're making dolls that look like her. They're changing their hair to look like hers. Mm. Uh, the whole point of it was to sell off the rest of Roxy's items so that they could uh, fund the defense, a.k.a. Billy, which now that she's popular, everyone wants uh, to get a piece of her as yeah. memorabilia. Which is and... wild. I understand that because that, this is based on true events. We'll talk about that in a minute. Like, at the end, I guess. But, like, because this is based on true events, it's just a wild concept to me. I don't, maybe it's not this bit. It's just fantasized, like, a fantasy. But, like, the idea of, like, being so for someone who's accused of murder to the point of, like, I will buy their nightgown is wild. <laughs> like, what are but we doing? Keep- People, but people do still auction off things like that. Like, it it still happens. I think, but, like, I guess because usually when I see that, it's with, like, really major, major, like, um, the whole country slash the whole world has their eyes on them rather than, like, this is a Chicago murder. And, like, everybody in Chicago is obsessed with her kind of thing. It's like, to me, it's like those big names that like have permeated um, history or whatever, you know, the big names who I'm just refusing to say right now, Um, (laughs) you know, people whose movies are made about them. I get when they auction off those things because people are weird um, and like those things when it's like really famous. I'm just thinking about like this woman who who's like i didn't really kill him i mean i did but it was like self-defense and then everyone being like yes give me her slippers it's very strange (laughs) give me her slippers we get some as as roxy is coming into her new fame and having all of these flowers uh she starts to visualize roxy as not just herself but like as her stage presence like this is going to be her ticket into stardom she starts it off with like a monologue of like her husband and how like Mm -hmm. he wasn't very satisfying in bed um yeah so she tells she tells a joke to mama thornton and it just transitions into like a full audience like listening her to her like banter and tell jokes yeah. like she's at a her own cabaret where she's a star mm-hmm. she's like so this next song i was thinking about when i was having sex with my husband he's not really good in bed yada 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 okay here's the song <laughs> the name on everybody's lips is gonna be roxy who says that murder is not enough <laughs> 
etc. Etc. Ooh, sorry. Also, this scene. Tell me you didn't think, oh, you probably didn't, but I did, of Camp Rock, uh, Tessa, um, her two stars song, Two Stars Are Better Than One, with all the mirrors. I absolutely did not think of Camp Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I? I don't know. I did. Like, it just, I just, I just went, oh, did Kenny Ortega or whoever, I don't think it was Kenny Ortega who directed the first one, but like, who was whoever who directed it was like, you know what? What if we did like a Rocky Roxy Hart moment <laughs> with the mirrors? On the flip side of it, Velma is thoroughly pissed off because Roxy has taken all of the attention. There is absolutely no one talking about her yep. anymore. Even Mama Thornton has now dyed her hair blonde yep. to match the Roxy trend and it's driving her crazy. And Initially, it seems that she doesn't want to suck up to her to to put um, any attention back on herself. But that is exactly what she goes to do. She meets uh, Roxy, who is sorting through uh, clippings of her front page, front page headlines, all the information. She tries to, she as in Velma, tries to go in a bit casually saying, oh, this is what some guy gave me. It's like caramels. Uh and offers them to Roxy, who is... She's like, I'm trying to watch my figure. I think it's much, though. (laughs) But she's kind of aware of what Velma's trying to do. Because why wouldn't you be? You were so awful to me, and now you don't have any attention. You're trying to cozy up to me. Mm -hmm. But Velma starts to pitch her idea of... Roxy fitting into her being like the perfect size for her sister's old dress and like she's one half of a double act and they can do good things together you know yeah she's like and she goes we have this number that we used to do (laughs) and then she does uh, she goes I go we go I kiss can't do it alone or whatever um (laughs) it's a fun it's a fun moment of her doing both acts um (laughs) and Roxy's like kind of interested but like also kind of like really trying to be like not like aloof (laughs) which is what she said that she was going to try to be like that was going to be her thing back in the beginning yeah. She still pushes her, pushes Velma rather away. Like she's not interested, even though Velma is like out here, like working for her money right now. But yeah, it's because her trial has been uh, delayed indefinitely. But Roxy is just very confident in her position, which immediately comes into question uh, in the next scene because Billy is at dinner with um, some of his friends and he gets a call about an heiress who has just uh, completed a triple murder (laughs) because uh, the person that she was seeing was in her bed with two other women. They were in the And his attention is kind of shifted completely to her because she has the money immediately. It's going to be like like high profile. Her story is like, you know, an heiress shoot her lover and two others like it's 
it's got everything. It's got sex. It's got betrayal. It has rich people, um, attractive <laughs> people, you know. And, and also she has, boxes. like, she has such an attitude as well. She's Kitty Go to Hell, Kitty Baxter. You yeah. know, it's like. She's, like, very feisty. And it's Lucy Liu, by the way. It is. Um, <laughs> she's and there. Like, this performance reminds me of her. Um, there's like a fairly newish show that came out maybe last year or so called Why Women Kill. And she plays like um, an 80s like rich woman who's like married to a gay man. But like she doesn't know he's gay and then she finds out he's gay and yada yada. Um, and it's just like, but it's also in the tone of like, um, is his name Michael Cherry or Mark Cherry? I feel bad. The the, ma- the the creator of Desperate Housewives, it's created by the same guy. So it has that same tone. But like, I don't know. There's something about her performance here that just like really, really reminded me of that show. Um, it's really good. At least like her parts in it were my favorites, like just her entire story arc in the eight episodes or whatever. Very good. Anyways, yes. She comes in bursting into the jail and she's like, meh. <laughs> uh, Roxy, seeing all this press, is trying to get the attention of uh, the press woman, Mary Sunshine, but she's uh, more interested in Kitty and she tries to get the attention of Billy, but he is more interested in Kitty and Velma seeing this from the balcony within the cell is just like, <laughs> this is this is how it feels. This is what yeah. you get. This she is like what happens. She like smirks a little bit. She's like, mm, yes, revenge. <laughs> Roxy sees her opportunities dying out in front of her again because she cannot become what Velma is now. It's It's not going to happen. So she faints quote-unquote faints calling out billy's name which draws the attention of everyone because why did this young healthy woman just suddenly faint what's wrong with her and And she stands up and she's like i'm fine i'm fine i just hope nothing happens to the baby and everyone's like like, the who (laughs) billy's just hugging her from the side she's just like I have her, it's fine. Just like, also get my face in the... Th- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Roxy goes to get checked out properly. Um, and I guess by checked out, she gets checked out because when the doctor emerges, Billy's like, is she pregnant? And he says that she is. And then when Billy asks if he's going to... If, if he would say that in court. And the doc says, yes, he's like, pull up your fly. And I was like, oh, Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> but everyone now is under the assumption that Roxy is pregnant. Uh, with whose child? We don't know. It's, it's it's no one. No one's child. She's not pregnant. But <laughs> according to the press, no one knows, even though she's uh, might be due in September. She's like, it's Amos's child. Having Obviously. <laughs> Amos, hearing the news, comes to the hospital to 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 see her, to greet her, but can't get through the throngs of press that are present. And she's taken back into the um, the carriage to go back to the jail. And 
she's looking at him through the window, but she doesn't even react to seeing him at all. It's, it's, it's like he's a piece of wood there, which transitions then into Mr. Cellophane. Cellophane, uh, Mr. Cellophane. Pick a look right past you. Etc. Um, this song is referenced in like, it's something like the song that like nobody likes in the musical. So it's like, it's like, it's really funny. Um, I just got assigned it for I class. like this song. Pardon? I like this song. What do you mean it's a song that nobody likes in the music? No, no, this no. Is one of that's, my... that's, that's the name of the song that I'm talking about that references oh. this song. So the song is oh. called The Song in Every Musical That No One Likes by Sarah Smallwood Parsons, I think. And so, like, it basically is just, like, a description of what a lot of these songs tend to be. It's such a good, like, you need to look it up. It's really funny. Because, like, if you watched, like, even Waitress or whatever, that song happens. Not necessarily that nobody likes that song because you like Mr. Cellophane. But it's just that song <laughs> that, like, is highly skippable for most people is like why are you here you're just padding the runtime like let's move on um but yeah i mean john c Riley is very like sympathetic in this so i don't like mm -hmm. skip it <laughs> uh, during this song as well uh billy convinces amos that uh Roxy's kid because it's due in September is not his because Roxy has said that they didn't have uh, they didn't uh, copulate is what he says for uh, more than four months before it would have been due so it can't possibly be his and Amos is just like well then I'm gonna divorce her and that seems to be what Billy wanted him to say because he just stops paying attention to Amos after that and takes a phone call and just like doesn't <laughs> acknowledge him for the rest of the time he's in his office. So Amos just leaves. Oh, oh man. <laughs> but after this scene, Roxy is um, arguing with Billy because he wants her to wear something that's very demure, very... Um, proper and like boring and he wants her to be knitting and all of these things that are just so against Roxy's nature and Roxy is now convinced that she is the main star of the theater that is this case and she knows best and ends up firing Billy because they're disagreeing um, over what she should do and she thinks she can defend herself unaware of the fact however that on the other side of those bars, the Hungarian is in a lot of trouble because she has just lost her final appeal. So she's going to die. <laughs> like they're, they're going to, for the first time in many, many, many years, uh, hang a woman, yep. an innocent one, but I guess they don't know that. And no one cared enough about her. Uh, to fully help her, Helinski the Hungarian is hung and passes away during the Hungarian Disappearing Act. Yeah, which, which is kind of staged like a trapeze 
type performance. Yeah. Which just like the the whole the way that they did it where she's putting the rope around her waist and then simultaneously the rope is going around her neck and she jumps off and we don't see what happens to the performed version but everyone stands up and applauds and then we still have that applause going while it cuts back to the scene of her actually like being Having hung. Been hung yeah because people are still like paying attention to the spectacle of it and even though they're not cheering we kind of get like still the sense of audience is witness it's yeah. so <laughs> they went so hard in this movie and they did not have to they absolutely did <laughs> not have to rob marshall i'm pretty sure this is a rob marshall movie um yes rob marshall yes doing the thing we love <laughs> honestly truly it seems to be that seems to be what jars uh, roxy out of her a delusion of grandeur that this is all her show because she has seen now the potential of what could happen if she does badly if this goes wrongly for her she could actually become deceased so she goes along with billy's play <laughs> yeah she wears the outfit she has the knitting she learns like she does everything that she's meant to and she tells Billy that she's scared as well when they're in the back preparing because she's agreed to not say anything um, that hasn't been prepared by them. And Billy reassures her, saying that he's essentially a great lawyer um, and that he knows how to run this show because it's a circus. And he kind of is correct so the spectacle of the trial begins and they enter into the courtroom but it's not that they're entering into the courtroom they're entering into the circus um with the song razzle dazzle yes um they'll let you get away with murder razzle dazzle them razzle dazzle them and they'll make you a star so fun we go back and forth we hear uh a bit of testimony uh for and against primarily for roxy uh roxy I say Roxy, not Roxy. Billy. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my brain I think was, we like, missed like a out. micro scene um, because it becomes important now. But like a micro scene slightly earlier when Velma and Mama Morton are talking. Oh, no. It happens like during this. During. So it's cool, just cool, cool, after. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we haven't missed it yet. No. Okay. Um, but yes, the... We have this whole sort of flickering in between uh, the production of Razzle Dazzle and the media sensationalism of the murder trial. Uh, Amos and Roxy uh, have a moment where Amos is on trial, uh, on trial, on the stand, uh, telling about how he thinks that the child isn't his and that's why he applied for a divorce. Meanwhile, this was fed to him by Billy. But now Billy is like, 
well, Roxy says that the child is yours. Would you stage, uh, would you, would you reconcile with her if she confirms that it's your child? And he's like, uh, well, yeah. I mean, after confusing him thoroughly. (laughs) (laughs) And then Roxy just nods and says, yeah, it's his. And they hug it out. And of course the crowd is all aghast and loving this reconciliation that's happening. a fucking manipulator. (laughs) It's so... (laughs) funny to watch like he is just on top of it it's so hilarious he's like yeah well, i know how to play with all of these parts like the media and <laughs> the victims and all of those these people jesus christ while it's going on um we get to see that Mama Morton and Velma Kelly are paying attention to it because Roxy during her moment on the stand uh, she starts to go through with it, starts to forget some of the things that she's meant to say. Billy tries to prompt her and the other lawyer catches on. And then, but she gets into the rhythm of it where she starts to get really emotional and flustered and saying, uh, no, we, we both reached for the gun and it, it wasn't just to protect myself, it was to protect my unborn child. And she faints again. Yes. <laughs> she's just like, uh, what a whopper, huh? To Billy as he's hovering over her to check to see if she is all right. Yeah, she's completely fine. And Velma and Mama Morton are listening, and Roxy is doing the things that Velma said that she was going to do. Yeah, she in gets her up trial. And she asks for water and all that stuff. Yeah, she fans herself. She's even wearing Velma's garter. She's stolen Velma's garter <laughs> and is wearing it. Because it would be a bit fancier than, I guess, anything she owns. Mm. But in order to stop Velma destroying her radio, Mama Morton reveals that she is in possession of Roxy's diary. And is saying, it's funny how much people write down when they think no one's looking. And they just have this scheming. And the next scene we have is Velma entering the courtroom as a witness and presenting as evidence Roxy's diary and it is Roxy's diary but (laughs) um, Roxy doesn't know how to keep her mouth shut because Billy is trying to be like there's no evidence that my client has a diary there's no evidence that she's written it down anything like that and then Roxy has to chime in yeah and she broke the lock (laughs) which I'm just like girl shut up (laughs) you could have denied it from the beginning but the diary is presented as evidence but it seems that something is off because Velma proceeds to read from said diary but Roxy denies writing down the things that she's reading and it doesn't sound like something she would write to be very honest so Billy in a tap dance begins to work his way through the evidence of this newly presented diary going through some of the words written and finding that they sound a bit egregious because yeah, they're, they're very large words. <laughs> <laughs> they're very large words that someone like Roxy wouldn't write. It sounds like lawyer speak. And is perhaps the other lawyer, Harrison, the one that's responsible for potentially planting this evidence? Because M- Mama Morton and uh, Velma herself did not retrieve the diary from Roxy's cell 
it was given to Mama Morton, who then gave it to Velma. Yep. So there is no evidence that the other lawyer planted, but it's circumspect enough that it sort his his working of the tap dance sort of influences what's going on, as if yep. it was not necessarily planted. Uh, as it was not necessarily written by Roxy, but instead planted there. Because, yeah, he also, like, asks, like, what do you get out of this? Like, do you get acquitted or whatever? Which is like, yeah, she got a deal out of this. And it's like, aha, uh-huh, see, she got a deal. This diary sounds absolutely, like, suspicious. Roxy does not sound like that. Y'all heard her talk. I don't know, you guys. <laughs> this feels like someone's trying to set up our homegirl. Mm. And then he believes. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Actually, you're correct. So with the tap dance over, uh, the jurors retreat and come back with a verdict. Everyone is waiting with bated breath. We don't hear the actual profession in court, but we see through a newsie that's waiting for the to, to release his papers. He has a stack of guilty and a stack of innocent with Roxy's face on it just waiting for a signal. And it is revealed that she is declared innocent. But the newsies barely have time to start setting out the papers and the criers start calling out that Roxy's innocent. People just start paying before there's a series of gunshots in the middle of the street. And some woman has now shot down a man on the steps of wherever they are. Everyone is running away and to see the (laughs) spectacle. (laughs) Just like that, Roxy's replaced. Yeah. Again. Yep. There's absolutely no no fame left for her to capture because everyone's running away. She's confused as to why they don't even want to take her picture. Meanwhile, Billy is just sitting there with his cigar, revealing that he was the one who added the new information to her diary in order to invalidate the entire thing. And Roxy just appears severely, well, not, I guess, ungrateful, but he's sort of trying to tell her that she has a whole life to live now. Like, she's free from jail. She's not going to hang, but she just doesn't see it. She sees that her opportunity to rise above her station is gone from her in the blink of an eye. Amos is the only one still left in the courtroom. And he just wants her to come home because he fairly simply thinks that everything that's happened is true somehow. And it's not. She's not pregnant. So there's no baby. It's all a lie. She doesn't want anything to do with him. And I think he finally realizes that and leaves. This poor, poor, poor man. Like, oh my god. My heart breaks for you, man. (laughs) Uh, The next scene that we have is uh, Roxy Hart saying goodnight, but it's her performance self saying goodnight uh, to the tune of Nowadays. Which comes back in like 20 seconds, so keep going. (laughs) I'll sing it at the end. Okay. Uh... But yeah, she's performing nowadays and you see the spotlight getting smaller and smaller on her before it transitions into 
her wearing fairly simple clothes, not the delicate evening gown that we've seen her wearing, uh, but in her uh, average everyday clothes as some potential agents uh, are looking at her, but they're not seeing anything significant about her. They comment about her as, ain't she that uh, chick that killed somebody uh, some time ago? And they're like, who can keep track these days? Meaning that she's not anything special yeah. in their eyes right now. And her performance is like, she's singing fine, but it's not really anything, I guess, special, significant as well. Yeah. And they run away from her. Like, they just skedaddle out of the club. Yeah. Velma appears. She tries to engage Roxy with another idea that she had because... There's a club and the guy that she knows that's saying that one killer lady isn't enough, but two, you know, it might make a significant act. They could make a couple hundred uh, a week. And Roxy is initially very against it because she hates Velma. <laughs> she does not like her at all. Yeah. And Velma's but like, what other business like, in the world can you hate somebody and still do a great job? Show business, baby. Mm-hmm. And we cut to so, their Hot Honey Rag song, um, which is when they start sing, Start with Nowadays. You can like mm-hmm. the life you live in. You can live the life you like. You can even marry Harry. I'm listening around the thing. And it's good. Isn't it great? Isn't it grand? Isn't it swell? Isn't it fun? Isn't it? And nothing stays. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to change, you know. And all the time that now we're I skipped some things. Etc. And at the end of it all, we see that Billy's in the audience, Martin is in the audience, some of the other uh, murderesses are in the audience, uh, and they're just all cheering them on. And. Yeah, they're just thanking everyone. They have a standing ovation. It's everything that Roxy wanted, essentially. Yeah. They do that cute little thing where they come out by just before the standing ovation, where they come out with guns to like shoot their names. Mm -hmm. And like everyone's like, oh, cute. Yes, they did murder people. I do remember that reference. Like, it's really like, okay. Um, But yeah, that is the movie. Like I said in the beginning, this episode is kind of like a crossover collaboration type dealy with the podcast By All Means Necessary, hosted by my friend Maya. She will be going over the real life events that inspired the play, that inspired the movie, that inspired the stage production that this movie musical is adapted from. So if you are interested in finding out what really happened, you can head over to By All Means Necessary. You can find it, I think, pretty much anywhere you can find us. Fun fact, I've actually been a guest on this podcast before. Episode 7, the one with the fake crime. We talk about the girl in the box. If you are interested in listening to that as well. And yeah, let's get on with the show. (laughs) Let's get into our ratings. So, starting off with music and choreography, as we always do. It's real good in this movie. Like, I don't know. (laughs) 
I don't know how to describe this in, in, in a way that is concise because <laughs> the numbers, the musical numbers that have choreo in them are show-stopping. Like, apart from Mr. Cellophane, where it's just, like, one person on the stage. It's... And he's not doing a whole lot, but it's just... The, the group numbers, the, the intense bouts of choreography, Cell Block Tango is a moment in time. Uh, yes. All that jazz, such a strong opening. It just draws you in immediately. Yes. Like, it, set, it sets the scene. It sets you up for what you're going to expect for the rest of the movie very well. And I just... <laughs> Um, they both reach for the gun, the puppeteering. It's just... They had clear visions. I keep saying this. They had clear visions of what they wanted. And they knew the potential of what could be explored in a movie that you can't do on stage. It might not look the same. And I just love that so much. So for music and choreography, I'm going to give it, what is the number? 4.5. Yeah, that's the number. 4.5 blood ribbons. Cool. Yeah, man. Chicago is literally one of my favorite movie musicals. The songs are so good so so good like memorable and like just good right just a good time um the choreography is fucking fantastic every single time they drop into those performance parts of those songs where it's like the the you know diegetic type of performance so good so good the dancing is great i'm pretty sure rob marshall choreographed some of this I mean, it's still a still a fussy thing, and like I know, like I'm gonna keep saying it, but it is also very much <laughs> Rob Marshall who not only directed this but choreographed this so so well, so ah, uh, so good. Um, and I will also be offering four and a half blood ribbons. Um, Oh, yes. Also, side note, Catherine Zeta-Jones, at one point they told her they wanted, like, Velma to have long hair, and she refused. She's like, I am not letting anybody think that any moment that I am dancing in this movie is a stunt double. They're going to see that it's me at every moment. And I appreciate that. I'm like, yes. (laughs) She's like, listen, I learned the choreography. And I need the credit for it. And absolutely, you get it, sis. You did the thing. Story. I appreciate the story so much. <laughs> okay, it's like... If if this wasn't in Fosse February, it would be in one of our future um, uh, month episodes because of everything that happens in it. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the story because romance 
is not there. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the only reason, but it's a large reason because it's about, it's about something else. It's about murder and it's, it's about manipulation. It's about the media. It's about, uh, the, the theatrics, the show casing, um, how people's lives are only worth while if people can know about it and they have a story that they can like attach themselves to otherwise they just get left to the wayside and it's about like pursuing dreams like no matter what but not in like a good way (laughs) i just i just love that romance is like a back like if this show was told from amos's perspective then it would have been about romance. But because it's told from the side of these women who just really want to achieve their goals at whatever means necessary, Mm. I love it so much. So, and also we have a through line and we have multiple side stories that are going on that we... uh, don't necessarily have to get invested in, but they're still interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so for storyline, I'm going to give Chicago, I really like Chicago. Okay. I'm going to give it um, uh, a 4.5 again. <laughs> 4.5 guns. For sure. I think this story is great. It's, so captivating um and it's like i don't know i feel like most people could be into watching chicago i feel like the story is like it's very straightforward and like it's all of these things it's like the salaciousness of like murder and like affairs and fame and it's like set in the 1920s but it's not like it feels 1920s but like not and like it's just this just like these characters are like fun and interesting to go along with they're not these perfect beautiful women I mean they're beautiful but they're not like these perfect like you know just like pretty little ingenue kind of type of characters not to diminish ingenue characters but like they're these women who are incredibly flawed who have a you know a fairly common goal fame um but also they've murdered people it's really fun and interesting um (laughs) and i know it's based on true events and like not to diminish any of that but like it's it's just it's a really great it's like really crafted really well um as a movie and as a musical as well. So, ooh, yes, I will give it, I will also give it 7.5 guns. This might be 7.5. 7.5. We've wow. gone beyond, <laughs> we've gone beyond the bracket. <laughs> 4.5. And overall enjoyment, I enjoy it. It's about two hours, just under. Mm-hmm. Um, but because things keep happening, there's never really a lull until we get to the end. And by then, you, you've already invested so much of your energy into these characters. You want to see where they're going to end up. So it doesn't matter if it starts to slow down. Um, 
Anna, I just, it's crafted very well. I, I think it's because it's had time to go through uh, bits that you might not keep because it was written in like 1926 and then it was a play and then it was a musical and then it became a movie. So they had like several uh, transitions of being able to like find out what really works with an audience and what things stick and what don't. Mm. Um, so I feel like this story is just good. It's real good. Um, <laughs> so I will give it like I can't I can't help it. Like the Academy wasn't wrong. It won <laughs> best picture for a reason. It's a good movie. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it 4.5. <laughs> Like, geez, 4.5 blonde hair dyes. We love it here. Turn me into Roxy. We love it here. Um, yes. the It's like the perfect length, by the way. Like, with scene to song ratio and how they, like, mm -hmm. they spread them out. It's just, it's honestly such a perfect length. I was like, look, because like a lot of the ones that we cover tend to be like two to two and a half hours already and most of them lean mm -hmm. closer to two and a half hours than they do to two which is already a long time but like it, it didn't feel that long in this because like half of that was song and it was always like really it was fast and like and like interesting and at all times right like like you said even in the bits where they were like okay we've done all the show stoppiness let's like tell a scene for a minute you're like yes tell me that scene you know you deserve to tell me i've been listening to you the whole time and i don't want to stop it's so so good um like i said before probably one of my favorite movie musicals um Probably, yeah, probably up there in my, like, top five. Um, and as a result, like, I on honestly cannot, with good conscience, <laughs> give it anything below <laughs> a 4.5 hair dyes. There's, like, literally, I what would I be doing with my life if I wasn't giving it 4.5, you know? Also, they <laughs> side note, I read a lot about the casting for this movie. Um, don't I don't know why, but um, Britney Spears was considered for Roxy for like a second, and again, love her, love her, love her to bits, love her to pieces, love her forever, you know. But for whomst? <laughs> for anyone? Whomst? For this? She might have been all right. She might have been okay, like. Her acting isn't so bad now. Um, I mean, when she has the freedom, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, sure. But I think she might not have been bad, but I think she would have taken away from yeah. the... Because Catherine Zeta-Jones and Renee, Z bleh, Renee Zellweger and Queen Latifah and Richard Gere all like stars in their own right sure but i don't think like maybe it's just me personally but i didn't see them as like mega the stars. great propelling yeah like mega mega stars yeah. whereas if people saw britney spears in a the movie they'd be like they'd it'd be very polarizing sure that that you too. know yeah 
Well, actually, now that I think about it, I can hear her singing Roxy, like the song. Yeah. I can see, I can hear her. And she's like a dancer anyway. So like, sure, I guess. But yeah, I think she she definitely would have, it would have been a different movie in that the focus would have, not not to say that like the people involved would be like, okay, let's make this solely about Britney. But like, it would just, it would pull focus in the same way that like, even though Michael Jackson would have been a very bad choice to put in this the role of of I was of, still like, <laughs> like even Jesus. though he would have been a very bad choice if he wasn't a bad choice he also would have been like a focal point that would take away from the story or at least the way that it's viewed um so yeah uh just you know just wanted to slip in that Britney Spears was also part of this as was Charlize Theron um Apparently she was a dancer. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's it uh, for the ratings. Why don't you come and listen to our obsessions or things that crossed our minds or a bit of news? Our obsessions. I have nothing further. Um, so, <laughs> this is the section in which we talk about things that have interested us throughout the week. Um, it's been a fairly dry week, not gonna lie. However, there is something that came across uh, my For You page that piqued an interest, and I will be listening to it. I have yet to listen to it, so I'm telling you the thing before I know whether or not I think it's good, but it's something that I'm going to be listening to, and I might mention it next week if I've, uh, or, well, next episode if I've listened to it by then, which I probably will. It's called Razia's Shadow, a musical. So it's an album written by a band called Forgive Durden. There's been a live performance of this album. This album's like from 2008. Um, but there's been a live performance of it in 2012 where it was a slightly different version with different characters, slightly different characters. Some removed, some added. But the basic story is the album tells a story of a world divided in two by the selfish actions of a powerful and egotistical yet insecure angel. After generations of darkness, the world is eventually brought back together by the love and sacrifice of a couple brave enough to fulfill their destinies. Um, this album features, you know, members of several bands, one of which I know, the others I don't. Maybe you will know these. So I know Panic at the Disco. The ones that I do not know are Saves the Day, Say Anything, The Matches, me Without You, Portugal, The Man, The Hush Sound, An Angel, An Angle, An Angle, The Deer Hunter, and Gatsby's American Dream, among others, apparently. Um, but yeah, so I'm like really interested to listen to this. It sounds fun and interesting, and musically, I think it'll be a good time, um, considering at least Brendan Muir's in one song, <laughs> and I know what he sounds like. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the thing that I'm 
Apparently there's two versions. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There's like the version that came out in 2008 and then there was a stage, like a, a, a okay. stage performance that sort of had, uh, mm-hmm. they added characters and removed characters and there were changes to songs and part of the storyline, I think, as well. So okay. that is, that is uh, my on my agenda, I suppose. Other things that are happening around musical theater or theater or musicals or um, whatever. I think all I have um, is that there's uh, brief news. There's a Weston Drive in that's still happening. And there is Angels in America is available to stream <laughs> with Andrew Garfield. So if you would like to go and see that, um, it's on the National Theater at home. But apart from that, I don't really have a lot of news. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Other things that are happening. Michelle Williams will be playing Peggy Lee in a movie called Fever. It's a biopic of Peggy Lee. Cynthia Revo is going to be playing Aretha Franklin in a four-part series that's coming out in March. Um, the Wizard of Oz is getting a new adaptation. Uh, ooh. As well as, well as, as the, the King, King and, and I. I. Andrew Feldman is going to be joining the cast of High School Musical, the musical, the series, a show we have yet to watch, but may in the future. So that brings us to the end of the section, which also brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, just a quick reminder, this is a collabed slash crossover episode in which neither of our podcasts are actually interacting however you may listen to two separate podcasts that talk about the same thing so we as we just covered (laughs) um chicago the musical my friend maya over at by all means necessary podcast a true crime podcast will be covering the real life people and their real life murders on her podcast coming out on the same day as ours is so as long as you can listen to ours you can listen to hers um so if you're interested in what's going on there you can go and listen over there you can also then follow us on social media on twitter and instagram it's tmm podcast on tumblr it's tell me more tell me more podcast.tumblr.com you can listen to our favorite songs on Spotify, if you search for TMM, TMM Podcast, and you go to the profile and not the podcast itself, you will find that there is a playlist for every year that we have been doing this podcast. And so our favorite songs from those years will be in the separate playlists. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TMM, TMM Podcast, where we will be putting some bonus episodes or bonus content we already have some bonus content but more will be coming your way once we figure out my schedule um but outside of that thank you for listening to us and you can catch us in the next uh the next (laughs) sorry it just it really makes me laugh the next theme of our podcast. <laughs> it's, I'm struggling. So we're, you know what? I'm going to leave you to it. 
to figure it. I'm going to leave you until you see our Instagram for you to know what it is that we're doing for the month. Uh, but look forward to March. It's going to be friggin' interesting. Um, until then, however, uh, for Tell Me More, Tell Me More, the podcast, I have been your host, Leah. And I've been your host, Adicia. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye! Goodbye. <laughs>